the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning, Christian Embassy Second Service. So great. I'm so wound up from the first service. My goodness, we had such an amazing time in here. I'm just like, calm down. Help me calm down, Lord. Help me calm down, Lord. Wow, it is so exciting to see you guys here in the second service. The first service really ramped this place up for you guys. You need to start giving them a high five when they're coming out. Because let me tell you what, they get the fire going in this place. Praise the Lord. So great to see you. And everyone who's tuning in, we thank you for tuning in to Christian Embassy. And uh, don't just go away. Stay with us through the whole message. I believe this is a life-changing message for you today. Now you can imagine as we are in this feast season how uh, there are some religious folks, just like they didn't want Jesus uh, doing anything about fulfilling the promise of God, uh, anything now that points to Jesus, they get all worked up about it. You would think religious folks wouldn't be like that. But we got ribbed this week. You know, why in the world is that preacher preaching at Christian Embassy talking about the feast of the Lord? And, uh, and I said, well, if we don't do it God's way, we do it man's way. We left up with an Easter bunny. We left up with a Santa Claus and an L. We left up with a, a pumpkin, a witch, and, uh, and, and then we're left up with a turkey and a football game. That's about it. I think I'm going to do it God's way and be left up with Jesus. Hallelujah. Because all of the feasts point to Jesus and His plan and fulfillment, God's purpose for us in life. Amen. So I'm just going to go with that, okay? So... Yeah. Amen. So we're, believe it or not, this evening is the final of the seven feasts at sunset, about 645. Uh, we uh, usher in Sukkot, the Feast of Sukkot, or Feast of Tabernacles, and it'll go through next Sunday. So uh, how exciting is that? So let's just go to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have given us a, a map in your word. Uh, you've given us a calendar. You have given us uh, things that we can tangibly participate in, things that we can see images of to help us remind us. Lord God, so that it'll be teachable. Lord, we just thank you that you care so much about every day of our lives. And as we receive revelation and illumination from your word today, God, we know it's going to be transformational in such a way that we'll leave here walking in the strength and the power and in the love of your might and bringing glory and honor to you. So we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody stand. Amen, amen and amen. Thank you so much. Well, as you know, the spring started out with the uh, Passover, starting our uh, four of the spring feasts, and uh, that just lined right up, just so happened, okay, for you tuning in to skeptics, it just so happened that Jesus was crucified on a feast at Feast of Passover. So everything the Feast of Passover was pointing to a, a, a Passover lamb that would one day come and redeem us, Jesus happened to be crucified. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think it was the plan of God. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus was without sin, so he shed sinless blood to pay off our sinful account. As bread without leaven was representative of that which was without sin, Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead as the first fruit from the dead. So we had coincidence that it happened on a feast, the Feast of First Fruits? I don't think so. And then 50 days later, it just so happened on the Feast of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came and filled those in the upper room and they began to, Peter preached and the Bible says as they began to speak as the tongue, uh, in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, the Bible says 3,000 were saved that day and the church was birthed and the church has been growing ever since, being added to ever since. It just so happened, was it coincidence that it happened on a feast day? I don't think so. And which brings us to our church age that you and I are a part of. So we look back on those spring feasts and we, we're not going back and we're not, you know, it's like the numbskull. Think about it. Are we killing lambs? Or, you know, they're like, you don't have to do what was done. It's been fulfilled in Christ. Yes. But what's wrong with going back on God's calendar every time and being reminded of what God did and learning about God and appreciating what Jesus has fulfilled in and through our life? We're not killing lambs. We're not set up a brazen altar. We're not an uh, altar. We're not uh, set up a holy of holies so that, you know, the high priest can go in once a year. You know, we, we understand 
all that the, uh, that was pointing to Christ and Him fulfilling, and but we are not going to negate it, and we're not going to in any way lessen or cheapen it by replacing it with our American things that we do uh, and, and thinking that's going to help our kids. I'm telling you, Santa Claus isn't going to help your kids. The Easter Bunny's not going to help your kids. An elf's not going to help your kids. Come on now. Uh, a witch or a warlock is not going to help your kids. A pumpkin's not going to help your kids. A black cat's not going to help your kids. You know, a turkey will make may add some sleepiness to you, but it's not going to help your kids that much. And a football game, you know, like, let's, let's look at what God's teaching us so that we can grow in the faith. Amen. So we're in this church age, and which is now looking forward to the fall feast as uh, that which many of the, most of that has not yet been fulfilled in and through Christ, which was we celebrated here just uh, September 29th and October the 1st, just su several Sundays back. Uh, we had the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, uh, God's calendar, on God's calendar. He said that's the beginning of the new year. So we entered into the year 5980, 5,980 years since uh, Adam was created and God gave us the beginning of time that he has given to us. Uh, so how exciting is that? Then we, we move right along into 10 days later, Yom Kippur, Feast of Atonement. Uh, it corresponds with the second coming of Christ where Christ is coming back, the Rosh Hashanah, he's going to rapture the church, and then he says we're going to be coming back with him in the second coming uh, that we just celebrated this last Tuesday and Wednesday. And now, five days later, we tonight uh, through next Sunday at sunset will be Feast of Sukkot or Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths, all the same thing. And um, that represents the Messianic uh, kingdom age of God coming in and, and, and tabernacling with us. Hallelujah. So, so the reason God wanted us to celebrate this is to celebrate the goodness and the joy of the Lord. He tells us that this, especially this Feast of Tabernacles, he said this is a feast of joy, uh, 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 representing his goodness and, and the graciousness of our God. So let's look at it in the scriptures and see what we can learn from him get us beyond the Easter bunny and get us beyond a, a, a pumpkin or anything like that. And let's see what God is saying. Uh, Levit Leviticus 23 and 33. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, On the 15th of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. So he said this is a feast unto himself. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. Now, are you native Israelites here today? Uh, or are you and I Gentiles that have been grafted in? So you don't, you're not mandated to have to go and dwell in a booth. But we definitely want to learn why God set this up. Because he had a reason and he tells us the reason. So that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt... For I am the Lord your God. So the Feast of Tabernacles in Hebrew is called the season of great joy. And Deuteronomy 8 and 10, the Bible says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you need strength today? Well, then you need the joy of the Lord. Do you need strength? Do you need healing? Do you need promotion? Do you need blessing in your body? Well, you need the joy of the Lord. Not manufactured joy on your part, but the joy that comes from the Lord, the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says this season is a season of joy that when we celebrate and remember what God is teaching us here, we open up and receive the joy of the Lord. So God's got a deposit of His joy that will manifest in strength in your bones, strength in your cellular system, strength in your neurons, strength in every organ in your body. If you get the joy of the Lord in you, the joy of the Lord is going to manifest the strength, the strength, the healing, the power of God. So God says in this season, as you remember, he says and celebrate me and what I have done and what I am doing and what I plan yet to do. He says it's an open gate in your spirit for my joy to come in. I don't know about you, but I'm going to turn my frown upside down and I'm going to put a joy, a step of joy in my life. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to celebrate this feast. I'm going to celebrate and remember as you've called us to so that I can receive a deposit of your joy, which brings your strength. Hallelujah. 
So we need to celebrate that God has given us a new beginning. This is a new year we're in. This is everything behind us is under the blood. Everything behind us, we can't go and change it. We've got great things ahead of us. And God said, I want you to celebrate as you go forward in this year. I want you to celebrate that you survived the past year. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The devil tried to take you out, but you're here today. We need to celebrate that we've received a harvest from last year, and we need to celebrate that we're going to receive an even greater harvest in this new year. We need to celebrate victories ahead. Promotions are ahead. Healing is ahead. Deliverance is ahead. Celebrate it so that the joy of the Lord may come in and manifest His strength in and through your life. The Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot is what we call in America Thanksgiving. And I don't know if you know your history well or not, but if you don't, let me just give you a little of our history. You see, the pilgrims, when they first had their first Thanksgiving here in America, it was on this feast. It was the Feast of Sukkot. I don't know if you knew that or not. See, when the pilgrims came out of Europe, they saw it very symbolic to Israel coming out of Egypt. See, when when Israel came out of Egypt, they came through the Red Sea, and the pilgrims looked at it as when they came out of Europe, they came through the Atlantic Ocean. And when they got to America, they believed that this was the promised land. They believed that God had given them this land, and their main reason to establish a nation here was that we would have freedom to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. And by all natural laws, when Israel came up out of Egypt, they should have died in that Red Sea or they should have died in that wilderness for the 40 years they spent there. And the only reason, the only reason they survived was because of the miraculous intervention of God. Now get this, God said, I want you to, every year, I want you to celebrate this feast so you will remember, so that your children will know, so that your children's children will know that I am the God who wants to be involved in your life, that I am the God who wants to manifest my miraculous uh, nature in and through you. Hallelujah. See, God is not on a budget. God is not limited. God says, I want you to depend on me. I want you to trust me. I want you to pull on me. And I want your children to be taught that they can depend on me as well because I'm a miracle-working God. See, it was God that caused Pharaoh to let Israel leave after 400 years of slavery. And when they left, the Bible says they plundered Egypt. That last plague, I mean, the nine plagues wore Egypt down, but the tenth plague, after that firstborn was dead, they they said, here, they gave their gold, they gave their jewelry, they gave their silver, they gave it to Israelites, said, here, take it, get out of here, we'll pay you to leave, get out of here. And overnight, they went from being the poorest people in in the world to being the wealthiest people in the world. Overnight, they went from being uh, the tail to the head. That's why the Bible says you're the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Hallelujah. See, God supernaturally parted that Red Sea. The bottom of that sea had never been dry, ever, ever. From, if you'll read the creative order of God, there had never been dry, but there, in a moment, God parted the Red Sea and said they walked across on dry ground. I'm telling you, that was a miracle-working power of God. And as they walked to the other side, it just so happened that the Red Sea came in and destroyed the army of Pharaoh that was following them. Yeah, it just so happened, right? There was a miracle of God. And in the desert, they needed water. Millions of people and all of these animals, they needed water in a dry place. God, out of the rock, brings rivers of water to quench their thirst. And they need food. And God rains down bread from heaven, and He gives them manna to eat, the miracle of God. Their shoes on their feet and their clothes on their back for 40 years. I mean, that was enough for a trend to go around several times. You know what? What is a trend about every 10, 12 years? So they probably had three times they, they were in, in style, three different times as they just went on 40 years wearing the same thing, you know, over and over, and it didn't wear out. The miracle-working manifest of God. 
And God said this for this, this feast here. He said, I want you to build booths. And I want you to do this to remind you that of the temporary dwelling that you had in the wilderness. To remind you that I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I don't want you to forget that. I want to provide for you that I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your God, your healer. That I am Jehovah Shalom. I am your God, your peace. I am God. I am the one that wants to do great and mighty things. Don't forget that. I want you to be reminded that I am the one who provides. That I am the one who heals. That I am the one who delivers. That I am the one who destroys your enemies. God said, I don't want you to forget that I am the one that will give you water in your dry times. I'm the one that will give you food when it looks like you're in famine. I want you to remember this. So I want you to erect these booths for this week. And, and, and God said, so that you can look through those open roofs as they did in the wilderness, keeping their eyes on me. Because he said, I know your nature. Your nature is this, that when you get into the promised land, you begin to live in your beautiful houses you will forget me and you will forget that I'm the one that gave you the power to get wealth God said I know you I know you well you're my children so every year I, I'm telling you to build these temporary tabernacles or these booths for seven days and to eat your meals in those and or dwell in them he said to the native Israelites and the reason was because he wanted to get them out of their beautiful houses and get them out of their comfort and get them out of their blessings to be reminded that it is the Lord who has blessed us. Now, what is wrong with us studying this and seeing the heart of God? If that was the heart of God for the Israelites, don't you think that's the heart of God for us who have been grafted in? Hallelujah, that we are a part now, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our Father's heart is we don't forget and we don't take our eyes off of Him. Now, if you look at the history of the booth or the tabernacle for 40 years, they lived in these as they were going through the desert. Just some animal skins with uh, some, some you know, leaves or limbs and branches over the roofs. But the roofs had to be open because they were following the direction of God. God tells them how to build these booths and how to keep the roofs open because he said, I'm the one that's bringing the water out of the rock. I'm the one that's bringing the food from heaven. You got it. I'm the one that's keeping no sickness among you. For 40 years, there was no sickness among them. I'm the one keeping your shoes from wearing out and your clothes from wearing out. And, and, and so you got to look to me and follow me. So God had a plan that he used a, a pillar or a cloud by day. He would use a cloud by day so that uh, they would see God's presence. They would feel his comfort in the hot sun, uh, the shade of that. Uh, but the cloud at times would move. So they had to pack up their booth and they had to follow the cloud to be with God, to receive the manna. The manna didn't fall over the whole wilderness. The manna only fell from, these cloud, from the cloud or from the presence of the cloud there. So they had to stay with God in order to get the provision of God, to get the direction of God, to get the comfort of God and the blessings of God. And that's what God is trying to teach us. Keep your roof thatch open so you can keep your eyes on God. Don't, don't ever get so comfortable that you think your business is carrying you or that your family is carrying you or that your career is carrying you or that your employer is carrying you or that a government is carrying you. You better keep your eyes on God. Not knock some holes in your roof and get your eyes on God because God is the one that provides for us. And then he gave them a pillar of fire by night. And that pillar of fire by night did several things. One, it was in the wilderness, it's very cold at night. So it was a heater. There's a heater for you that get goosebumps when it gets cold, you know, and your hair stands on end when you're cold. You would really draw under that fire, that pillar of fire, and you'd feel the warmth in the wilderness. Very dark in the wilderness, so they had light in their camp. But also at night, God didn't just move in the day. I'm telling you, God moves in the night as well. You may be going through a night season in your life. Let me tell you what, God can move in the night just as well as he can move in the day. Hallelujah. And there was times that pillar of fire at night would move. They'd have to pack up their booths and stay with the pillar of fire because that's where the blessing and the favor and the provision of, and the power of God was being manifest. So they had to make these booths in such a way they could see through the roof night or day because if it moved, they had to move as well. Now, how does that relate to us? I say this, no matter how blessed we are, we got to learn to keep our eyes on God. 
No matter how blessed we are, we got to keep our eyes on God. That would be a, a daytime. But a nighttime, no matter how challenging things are coming against us, we need to keep our eyes on God. He is our covering. He is our provider. He is our guide. He is our healer. He is our light. He is our guidance. We, if we can't lose sight of Him because if we do, then we're left in the wilderness for the enemy to come and destroy us. So God wants to comfort us in the day provide for us direction in the day and comfort us in the night and provide direction for us in the night. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I just love seeing these miracles. I mean, that God did for them, showing us his nature, water out of the rock, millions. I mean, how many of you know in a hot, dry climate, you get really thirsty? So it wasn't a water hole like you see on some of these cowboys where they finally find a little water hole and they all go and put their head or in, in that mud hole and drink. No, we're talking about millions of people who are thirsty all day long. And how many of you get up in the middle of the night and you get water or something to drink as well? Don't raise your hand because we know what you just did before you got the water and we won't talk about that. But nonetheless... We, the water was there night and, and they're moving. So the river was always, wherever they would go, there was a river. There was a river to quench their thirst. Hallelujah. And then six days there was bread. And the sixth day there was double bread so that that seventh day they could save enough for the seventh day and it would not spoil on the Sabbath. So there was supernatural food. There was supernatural provision. There was supernatural protection. No one ever got sick. They, they carry in all the gold and the silver that Egypt had given unto them. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The enemy has been destroyed behind them. They've got nothing but the promised land ahead of them. They've got a heater at night in the sky. They've got an AC uh, with the cloud in the daytime. And, and all of this is going on. And at Sukkot, God is saying, in this new year, I want you to see all the blessings that I have for you. In this new year, I have more even plan for you than you can imagine, but I want you to look to me. Look to me to receive what I have for you. Don't take your eyes off of God because he's the one that brings all that we need, covering and protection and blessing and everything. So over and over and over, this feast is emphasizing God's word in saying, remember, remember, remember. He is telling us our tendency is to forget. So he says, I'm helping you. Remember, tie a string around your finger. This is going to help you know so that you don't get lukewarm. Oh my goodness, Jesus said even to the Christian church, he says, I wish that you were hot or cold. Lukewarm, I'll spit you, spew you out of my mouth. Lukewarm makes the body of Christ sick. Remember God, stay on fire in worshiping and serving and loving and, 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 and uh, uh, giving him all the glory and honor. Hallelujah. See, when our marriage is restored, we have a tendency not to remember. When our business is taking off, oh my goodness, we're doing really good now. We, all that praying and all that stuff we were doing, we stopped doing. When our bodies don't hurt and we just like walking in health, we're like, we don't think we even need God anymore. When our bank account has access and overflow, I mean, we're looking at what we can do with that rather than what God can do with us. We tend to forget the Lord. God said that is who we are. So he says, I want you to keep holes in your roof so you can keep your eyes on me and follow me every step of the way. Hallelujah. 40 years they had total dependence on God. 40 years they had total dependence on Jehovah Jireh. Forty years, they had total dependence on Jehovah Rapha. And God liked that. He liked that. But he says, I need to take you into the promised land. But I want you to know, even when I get you to this next level, that I'm the God, your healer. I'm still the God, your provider. I'm still the God, your source, your salvation. So look to me. Depend on my supernatural nature. Isn't that something? A lot of times... Uh, Christianity, not Christianity, but religion tells you don't bother God with that. God, don't bother God with that. And here, the whole message is God says, I'm a miracle-working God. That's what I do. I want you to come to me. I want to work miracles in your life, not just seasonal. I want to work miracles in your life every day. I pray some of you right now would have faith to rise up and say, I'm going to start expecting miracles from God every day. Every day in my life, I'm going to expect the supernatural manifest of my almighty God in my life. 
God wants us to remember. And God shares this, uh, this same heartbeat with us in what you could say is a Feast of Sukkot or Feast of Tabernacles Psalms, one of the most famous Psalms in the, in the Bible. Now, you, if I were to ask you what is the most popular Psalm, you'd probably say Psalms 23, Psalms 91, Psalms 100, Psalms 150. But did you know the most popular Psalms of all is a Sukkot Psalms, and it's Psalms 103. And it opens up, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Talking to your soul, said you need to wake up. You need to remember. You need to open holes up in your roof and get your eyes on God. Bless the Lord, oh soul, wake up. Soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. So, so we need to be reminded, we need to, we need to command our soul to wake up and bless the Lord because he's worthy of all praise. And then he goes right into the Sukkot where he says, and forget not all of his benefits. Come on now, don't forget his benefits. Who does what? Forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. I'll stop there for a moment. Here in this one sentence, we see this one verse, he heals, he forgives all our sins, iniquities, and he heals all our diseases. In the same verse, he does what? Forgives all our iniquities and he heals all our diseases. Now, this is a pattern of God where he puts forgiveness and healing in the same verse. I didn't choose to do this. Man didn't choose to do this. God did this. This is how God is revealing himself to us. It is a pattern that he has. Let me share with you some other verses that has that same pattern there. In Isaiah 33 and 24, and the inhabitants will not say, I am sick, and the people who dwell in it will be forgiven, will be forgiven their iniquity. So he says, there will be no sickness and forgiveness of iniquity, all in the same sentence. Uh, I put a pattern up there, but it doesn't really show up on the screen. But behind that's supposed to be this, this repeating pattern uh, kind of uh, washes out. But it's, this is to make the point that this is a pattern of God. Look at it in Isaiah 53 and 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. So he's dealing with sin, forgiveness of all sins, and he's dealing with healing of all diseases. By his stripes we're healed. And you say, well, that's just the Old Testament. Well, then get in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself, himself bore, that's an important word, bore. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness for by whose stripes you were healed. Now, he's talking past tense because Jesus has already provided everything in, in, the, in, in the atonement uh, because he's already gone to the cross. He's already taken stripes upon his back. So he bore all of our sins, and he has, by his stripes he has healed us. Hallelujah. Same verse of Scripture. Look at there in Isaiah 53 and 4. He says it again. Surely he has borne our griefs, and that word griefs is a Hebrew word, kole, which is translated 24 times in the Old Testament. 20 of those times it's translated sickness and disease. It means sickness and disease, and only four times it's uh, translated grief. So really, he has borne our griefs means sickness and disease. So he has, he has borne, carried our griefs, he has carried our sickness and disease, and carried our sorrows or our sin, as you'll study that in the Hebrew. So there again, and you say, well, this, is, this looks like a pattern of God. We even see it again in the New Testament, looking back on the Old Testament. Get that. In Matthew 8, 16 and 17, what does he say? When evening had come, they brought him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So here we see it again in the same verse over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, and New Testament looking back to fulfilling Old Testament in the same context. He is healing all of our, forgiving all of our sins and healing all of our diseases. So that brings us to this place. Why do we struggle with these benefits? Which poses questions. Why, as Christians, do we have to still contend with sin? Because if in the same verse, if he's, if he's forgiven us all our sins, and that same verse healed us all our diseases, why do we still struggle and contend with sin? 
And why do we as Christians still contend with sickness? And I'm going to answer that for you right now. You're going, to, you're going to get a revelation that's going to help you in your faith walk with the Lord. And in Revelation, actually a revelation coming from Revelation, Revelation 1 and 8, Jesus said here, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I put up that. This isn't some uh, Satanism or anything like that, okay? I just want you to know. If you understand Greek, which the New Testament was written in, this is the Greek alphabet, first letter Alpha, and the last letter Omega. So when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he's like, I am the A and the Z and uh, elemental P as well. Okay, everything in between. Everything in between. I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come again, the Almighty. Hallelujah. So he says this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between, and I am the one who was, who is, and is to come, the Almighty. So Jesus encompasses all tenses, the past, the present, and the future. I want you to picture that. He just said it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the past, the present, the future. I was, I am, and I'm coming. I was, I am, and I'm coming. I'm past, present, and future. Get that now. So in Christ, let's take that sentence that says uh, that he has forgiven all of our sins. Let's look at that first half of that sentence first, okay? In Christ, we have been saved, okay, by his grace. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and his redeeming work on Calvary and his lordship you've surrendered to, the Bible says you've been born again. And when you're born again, we have been saved, amen? That's, that, that's done. Now, get this. We are still being saved, being made whole as we grow in faith on this earth. And we will be saved in his eternal presence forevermore from all sin. In heaven, there is no sin. So we have been saved. If you've given your life to Christ, that means if you died right now, you go into heaven. It's a done deal. But while you're living, you're being saved. And the scripture talks about perfection, and perfection doesn't mean having everything perfect. It means maturing in the faith through a sanctifying work of the Word and the Spirit of God. So there's things that have to be, you might would say, uh, shaved off of you. There's a sanctifying work of God, things and mindsets that need to be renewed. See, when you were of the world and you were lost, your, your spirit man was dead. When Adam and Eve sinned, the spirit man, that's why we, we said if you eat of this fruit, you will die. And Satan comes in and says, you're not going to surely die. They ate of the fruit, disobeyed God, and they're still alive. They're like, well, God must be a liar. No, their spirit man died, separated from God. But God had a plan for us to be born again. And as Nehemiah said, how can a man enter back into his mother's womb? Jesus says, you're not getting it here. He says, that, that, that spirit man will be born again. You'll be given a new life. So when you, the old has passed away and all has become new in the spirit. So when you, you got saved, if you had a, a, a mole on your, your cheek and you looked at that as an imperfection, uh, you got saved, all the old has passed away and all things have become new. You looked in the mirror and you maybe expected it to be gone, but it was still there. Why? Because what the old past and the new became was your spirit man. Now, until then, you had been walking, your soul had been calling, uh, has been following and coming in agreement with your flesh. Whatever your flesh wanted, it says, I agree with you, let's do it. Feels good, do it. If it tastes good, let's eat it. it you know, if it, it makes me, you know, uh, excites me, let's, uh, whatever, let's do it. Now that you're born again, there's a third person. Some people say third person's a, you know, what is it, three's company, two's company, three's a crowd. Well, the third person comes in, this, your spirit says, wait a minute, I'm saved, my, my, I, but I gotta, we got to now get you being saved, that being saved. we got to get your mind renewed so that you're no longer pressed into the conformity of this world, but you're transformed. That word transformed, we get our word uh, metamorphosis from. Uh, metamorphosis, going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. There's a transformation uh, that needs to take place, and he says that happens as your mind is renewed by the Word of God. So the Word of God comes in as a plumb line to help sanctify and, and, and get our soulish man 
healed and lined up and obedient to seeing this is what I'm going to do. Now we're going to go with the Spirit and, we're not, and the flesh is going to follow and get blessed. Uh, as the flesh follows doing it God's way, the flesh is going to get blessed. Flesh, we've been following your appetites. That got us in trouble. Appetite in the garden got us in trouble. So now we're going to follow the Spirit. And Paul talks about that. He said, I, I warn you, church, over and over, if you keep walking by the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you need to walk by the Spirit, he says. So we've got to learn. So we were saved. Our spirit man is this done deal. You die today, you're going to heaven. But now uh, we are being saved. There's a process of our minds being renewed and working it out from our soulish realm, from spirit to soul, soul the body uh, as we grow in faith here on this earth and then the day will come when we will be saved from the presence of sin forevermore because in heaven there is no sin now I want to add three more words to this and that is penalty power and presence penalty power and presence okay so again we're looking at the first half of that sentence They're, both are there he uh, forgives us of all of our sins and heals us of all of our diseases. Remember, we're celebrating Sukkot. We're getting our eyes on God to see what the benefits are. He said, don't forget them. Don't forget my benefits. So here we are looking at the, at the uh, forgiveness of sin side of it. So we've been saved from the penalty of sin if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you've accepted him today, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're no longer condemned. Your past does not condemn you. You've done some stupid, horrible, ugly things or thought some horrible, ugly things in your past. Okay, that's under the blood. Though it's crimson, it's white as snow. God has forgiven you, removed it as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you are saved from the penalty of sin if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, on earth, Sin is still present and at work, right? All you got to do is look at your neighbor and you can see sin. No, 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 no. All you got to do is look at the world and you can see that sin is active. So we are being saved from the power of sin, okay? So we've got to learn to use our faith to fight against it. We've got to have our minds renewed so that we choose to go with the spirit rather than the flesh to do it God's way. Because even as a believer, we are still vulnerable because we're in this earth where the power of sin is still active, right? Every one of us. How many of you in here, since you got saved, uh, have gained some victories over some things that was trying to stumble you and trip you up? Anybody in here? Okay. So every one of you gained some victory over sin because you're staying in the faith fight, right? There's things that used to hold you that don't hold you anymore, but maybe there's some things you're still working through. So, so you, you're in this present time and you're still having to deal and contend with this power of sin uh, that is here. But the day is coming in heaven when we will be saved from the presence of sin, where there is no sadness, there are no tears, there is no sorrow, there is no darkness, there forevermore. So we took the first half of that sentence and we see the penalty of sin has been removed. That's under the blood. We're still in the present tense and we're having to deal with the power of sin. And as we mature and grow and use our faith and have our minds renewed and have others join with us in agreement and execute the exponential power of God, we have more victories over the power of sin. And we know the day is coming that the presence of sin will no longer be around us for we will be in the presence of the Lord forevermore. Right? Okay. So now he said, don't forget all of the benefits. I don't want you to forget. Open your roof. I want you to be reminded and teach your children. These are your benefits. And another one of those in the same sentence, forgive you of all your sins, I heal all your diseases. So now let's take, because it's the same sentence, and we don't have the right to chop it up and say, well, that ended with this and that ended with that. God chose in pattern to put that same verse over and over and over and over Old Testament and New Testament to keep them equal. So we see that just as God did with sin, Jesus also bore our sickness on the cross. And in doing that, he saved us from the penalty of sickness if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay? So get that. Just like you, he's, he's forgiven you from the penalty of sin, 
There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He has also removed the penalty of sickness. He bore your sickness on the tree, the Bible says. So I say, no, no, no. God is not punishing you with sickness. That is a lie of the enemy. It is a lie to keep you from fighting against it because you feel that what you are going through is because you made a mistake, you said something you shouldn't have said, you did something you shouldn't have, you did, you shouldn't have done, and now the penalty of, has come on you of sickness and you don't have a right to fight against it because God put it on you. I'm telling you that's a lie from the pit of hell. God is not punishing you with sickness. You must see that it is an attack from the enemy, and you've got to learn to roll up your sleeves and fight against it. Jesus bore your penalty. Now, however, we understand in this present day, sickness is still present in this world we live in, right? And sometimes, just like sometimes we may fall under the power of sin, anybody in here committed at least one sin since you got saved? Really? I know I haven't, but I know some of you may have. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I have as well. Okay. Well, the same is true. We're still contending with the power of sickness. So we have to understand the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy us even today. So in this present world, we still fall under the power of sickness. We must understand we live in a war zone. In this present tense, with the power of sin and the power of sickness still at work in this world, we are in a war zone and Satan does not fight fair. He is hurling fiery darts at us all the time. And God says, I've given you a shield of faith that above all you can quench every fiery dart with the shield of faith. But guess what? Do you, that means you've got to be alert. You've got to be attentive. You've got to be on the front line. You've got to be ready to defend at all times because the enemy doesn't play fair. It's a fight of faith. That's why Paul says, I have fought a good fight of faith. You fight, you fight the fight of faith. Because Jesus said, Satan's come to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10, 10. He says, I want you to know, Satan is trying to kill you. Satan is trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy your business. He's trying to destroy your marriage. He's trying to destroy your health. He's trying to kill you. He is trying to steal from you. Satan doesn't play fair. Jesus tells us that, but he says that we've got to learn to stay in the fight. So even if you are a believer, you are still vulnerable. Our family got this, that when sickness tries to come in, sore throat tries to come in, stomach tries to come in, some kind of uh, whatever tries to come against us, we get angry. I'm telling you what, that little, that little curly-headed lady right there, she get mad. I mean, she get mad. Oh, no, devil coming up in this house. No, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. You better stand up right now. And, and Morgan's like, oh, okay. Oh, you're going to stand with me in agreement. We're going to fight the devil. You know, I'm like, and we're in agreement. All five of us come in agreement because we're in a war zone. We're in a war zone. Does that mean the devil doesn't try to get us? He does. Does that mean sometimes he gets one in when we did, wasn't looking and didn't have the shield? Yes, he does. Does that mean we come under condemnation? No. No. Paul said, whether in this body or not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give glory to God. My body's going to give glory to God. And I'm telling you what, he was in, the, in this present tense under the power of sin and the power of sickness coming against him as well. But he says, I'm not. I'm going to fight a good fight of faith. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to run it to win. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, we've got to learn to do that. that. That sickness and disease is not of God. Sickness and disease is of the devil. I'm telling you, the feast tells us it's been fulfilled in Christ. You say, well, the Old Testament. I'm telling you what, he sent plagues on the Egyptians. I'm telling you, if you're in Christ, you're not going to get no plagues plagues from God on you. You're not going to get no sickness. You're in Christ. Jesus bore your sin and he bore your sickness. Same verse. Same verse. But thank God we know the day is coming in heaven that we will be saved from the presence of sickness. There will be no tears and no sorrow, no sadness, no darkness and no death there. So forgiveness and healing are gifts of God's grace. They're gifts of God's grace. It's what he says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by what? Grace. It's the gift of God. Something you didn't earn. Something you didn't pay for. 
by the gift of God, grace, you have been saved. That word saved is sozo in the Greek, which means healed, delivered, set free, made whole in all areas. So it covers healing and it covers sin. It covers it all. Hallelujah. Same pattern of God that you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. But if you believe that that sickness is from God, you will not tap into the gift of God. You will not look through the thatched roof and see the provision of God, see the Jehovah Rapha healing of God because you feel like you're living because God put this on you. That You've got to dispel that lie and see that God has given this gift so that it's not of works that any man should boast. It's by grace through faith. Hallelujah. So let's sum it all up here. Let's sum it up. Here the Feast of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. God said, I want you to remember. Remember, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And remember, remember, don't forget my benefits. Don't forget my benefits. I forgive you of all your iniquities. I heal you of all your diseases. I redeem your life from destruction or the pit of hell. I am your kinsman redeemer. I crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And I satisfy your mouth with good things uh, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You're not getting older and fading out. There's a supernatural renewal in your cellular structure and DNA from the power of God that if you by faith will allow it to flow will make you stronger rather than weaker. That will make you wiser rather than dumber that will make you higher rather than lower hallelujah but you got to talk to your soul have you talked to your soul today have you reminded yourself about what matters most if not take a minute look your soul in the eye and tell it it's time for you to praise the Lord soul it's time for you to praise the Lord wake up in there wake up in there Praise His holy name. He's worthy. He's worthy. The elders in heaven are saying it. The angels in heaven are saying it. We're going to come in agreement on earth with that which is in heaven. And we're going to say it. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Worthy to receive the glory. Worthy to receive the praise. Hallelujah. And then say, remember soul. Remember everything He's done for you. That's what Sukkot is all about. Remember. God said, don't you forget what I've done for you. And what I'm doing for you. Don't you forget it. I forgive you of all your sins. I heal you. I redeem you. I crown you with love. And I crown you with compassion. I satisfy your mouth with good things. And I keep you renewed in your energy so you can keep going. Come on, soul. It's time to praise the Lord. Come on, soul. Remember, He's good. He's good. Don't you forget it. Hallelujah. And today... At the beginning of the Feast of Sukkot, as we go into this evening at sunset, God is saying it's all about you having a happy Thanksgiving. It's all about you giving thanks to me for what I have done for you, what for I have planned for you yet to do for this year, the great things I have for you. You think this past year was good? He said, I got better. He said, come on a little closer. You think, you think it couldn't get any better? Come on a little closer and I'll show you. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Somebody needs to receive that right now. Somebody said, well, I've just had the best year of my life. God says, that's just a taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Hallelujah. If you will open the roof, get your eyes into the heavens and keep your eyes on me. I want you to totally depend on me, saith the Lord. I want you to look to me, saith the Lord. I want you to depend on my supernatural nature, saith the Lord. Don't forget. Don't forget I've provided your salvation. Don't forget I've provided your deliverance. Don't you forget that I've provided your healing. Don't you forget I've provided your promotions. Don't you forget I've provided your breakthrough. Don't you forget I've given you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And that joy brings divine strength in your life. Don't you forget that I've restored unto you all things lost. Don't you forget 
that I will provide a peace that surpasses all understanding. Don't you forget that Yom Kippur declaration that Peter gave, that thou art the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one that comes to, to establish the kingdom. Hallelujah. That Christos is the one that lifts the burden and destroys the yoke. He said, don't you forget, I provided you an anointing that lifts the burden of sin and destroys, destroys the yoke of curse, of, of sickness and disease on your body. Happy Sukkot, happy Thanksgiving unto our God, our God who is so worthy of our praise. I speak to you, soul. I speak to you. You're going to wake up. You're going to praise the Lord. We're going God's way this year. We're going to make sure we look to Him. He's going to give us the wisdom. He's going to give us the provision. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He is the way maker. He is already prepared. He's already prepared it. He's the one that will bring the river in the desert. He's the one that calls the desert to bloom again. He's the one that will bring us into our promised land. He's the one. we got our eyes on Him. Do you have your eyes on Jesus? Are you looking to Him, the author and the finisher of your faith? Is He your King of kings and Lord of lords? If not, He can be right now. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father, we stand in your presence. Lord God, we remember. Yes, we do. And there may be those here today that are still under the power and the condemnation of sin in their lives. But they need not be. You said anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus, be saved, sozo, made whole, healed, delivered, every area. If you've not called on the name of Jesus, would you call on him now? Say, Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. From this day forward, Lord, I want to be born again. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I surrender my life to your Lordship. Come on, pray that prayer now to him, not to me. Jesus, I surrender to your Lordship. I crown you King of kings. And I serve you as Lord of lords in my life. From this moment on, I want to live for you. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. And I turn my eyes towards you, Jesus. And help me to learn this as a permanent lesson that I don't have to be reminded every feast of Sukkot to turn my eyes back heavenward, but I can learn to make this lesson permanent in my life. That every day of my life, throughout this year, I'll keep my eyes on you, Lord. I'll look to you, my author and finisher of my faith. I'll look to you to guide me and direct me by your word and by your spirit. I commit my way to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. From my soul, I thank you, Lord for your goodness, for your blessings, and for all the benefits. You're such a good, good God. You're such a good, good God. Hallelujah. Worthy of praise. Worthy of glory. Worthy of honor. Good, good God. Worthy of a shout. Worthy of a hallelujah. A good, good God. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Hallelujah. Father, now as we go with our eyes upon you, Lord, I thank you for your blessings and I thank you for your provision as we go every step of the way to you be the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.